14 minutes it is before 8 p.m. And uh, helping us uh, to uh, wrap up some of the big uh, stories in the world of business today, I'm joined by investment analyst at Emergence Investment Managers, uh, Nolwandle Mtombeni. Nolwandle, good evening to you and welcome uh, for the first time to Metro FM Talk. Yes, um, it's good to take a break from listening to you and actually talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> let, let let's get straight into it. Um, big piece of news coming out. I mean, I, I remember, I think I checked, I got the email while I was on air yesterday. So I don't know, it may have come out from the National Treasury uh, much earlier than that uh, last night. But uh, they have uh, announced a successful bond issue, a uh, euro bond here. Uh, which uh, was overly subscribed. I think it was uh, around three times subscribed. I stand to to be corrected there. But uh, a bond there floated, uh, I guess, signaling a lot of appetite on the part of global investors. But before we get into that, what is a euro bond? Basically, I know it's called a euro bond. It's actually the foreign bond, but it's dollar denominated. It's just Mm. basically, in layman's terms, the foreign denominated um, bond. So our government is basically issuing bonds in a foreign currency in this in this particular instance, without going to nuances it, is that it's the U.S. nominate. So it's a U.S. bond that is targeted mainly to foreign investors. Mm-hmm. And uh, for a sovereign, I mean, uh, many people might not be familiar with this, but what would, pe- what would a sovereign use uh, some of the funds raised uh, in such a bond issue for, uh, especially the National Treasury in this particular instance? So, I mean, there's no, you know, blanket approach in terms of what a sovereign would be using it for. For us, our biggest problem are largely related to a fiscal problem of ESCOM. So obviously, you know that in terms of debt and financing, there's a problem there. And there's also, because of revenue collections, there is a fiscal gap there. Mm. So I think the necessity to to, re, to issue these bonds is mainly around our fiscal position. Sure. So that is specifically to our case, whereas it is right now, is basically funding that gap that is there in terms of meeting our requirements from a fiscal perspective and also helping to keep all our SOEs up and running and alive. Okay. All right. Uh, so I guess uh, certainly some uh, good news there for uh, the team at the National Treasury and uh, all of this in line with the borrowing requirements that uh, the Minister of Finance flagged early on in his budget. And I'm certain we're going to hear a bit more about that uh, in the next few weeks or so in the medium term budget policy statement. But uh, a big piece of news that uh, certainly had me riled up uh, in Ulu today was uh, that of Sibanye, said to axe about 5,270 uh, employees from uh, the uh, former Lonman shafts uh, there in Marikana. And uh, we do know, of course, uh, the uh, merger between Lonman and Sibaya coming through in the month of June uh, this year, uh, a few a few months ago, I should say. And uh, it's certainly some sad news for that particular area. But uh, many people have suggested a number much lower than that 12,000 uh, that was initially flagged. But that should be little comfort because I guess one job uh, lost is uh, one job too many. Yeah. So, I mean, when they initially went to negotiation, obviously everything that has during is a merger and the ComCom is involved. And this was really part. And the number they had originally given is 12,600 job cuts over three years. And since then, the number is down to around 11,000 or so. So this is already, you know, numbers are really out there in the market and they already guided that over the next three years, um, this is how many job cuts we have to make. So that is part of that process. And they're initiating the process about getting there. Um, but it could take about three months or so, so that by within, they have this six-month moratorium in terms of when they could actually do it and implementing it now. So it is unfortunate, but I think going into the transaction of, of joining Sibanye and London, 
job cuts were part of what was going to happen. Mm. But typically when you have such big you know, you know, entities coming together, there is a timeline in terms of how this can be done. And when you reach a certain timeline, whether it's one year, two years, six months, whatever it is that's been agreed upon, then these things can start to take through. So unfortunately, I mean, you know, I think, you know, the opportunity to raise concerns of retrenchments and job cuts was then at the stage of ComCom. But if ComCom saw that it was not, you know, it was not in the negative, it was not in the best interest, then they would have turned it down, but it was really approved. So, and this is what typically happens, is that when two big corporates come together, the whole idea is that there should be synergies. And sometimes, unfortunately, one of those results of that is our job cuts, because mm-hmm. then there might be a duplication of resources. Yeah, yeah. And I guess that's that's one of the things that they flagged here as well, alongside saying that many of these assets have uh, come to their, I guess, um, economic reserve shelf life. Uh, I think that's mm-hmm. that's the terminology that they've used. Lolwanda, I want us to pause there for a second and uh, take a quick spot break. But when we come back, we continue on this issue here of uh, Asabanye and uh, the 5,270 workers set to uh, uh, be uh, laid off here. And uh, I probably want to just hear from you about what you think uh, Joseph Matunjwa might be thinking at this point in time let's take this break it's seven minutes before 8 p.m and uh, we are wrapping up uh, all of the big big stories in the world of business that have been moving markets and have had uh, tongues wagging in uh, the uh, marketplace today and uh, one of those uh, has certainly been a Savanya's signal that uh, 5,270 uh, uh, jobs might be on the line uh, at uh, uh, Lonman's former operations uh, around the Marikana area with the closure of a few shafts in that area. And Nolwanje, uh, I guess uh, the other issue here uh, might be, uh, you know, this might feel like a kick in the teeth for uh, Joseph Matunjwa because we do know that he's declared a dispute uh, in uh, the platinum sector wage negotiations, in particular with Sabanya, really unhappy with the offer uh, that uh, Sabanya has placed on the table. And now to hear this kind of news that uh, a Section 189 process uh, will also be underway. Uh, we'll certainly not only keep the unions busy, but uh, uh, continue this um, collision course and, I guess, you know, a tension and impasse between Neil Froneman and Joseph Matunjo. I mean, I don't want to, you know, go off track here, but it's quite interesting because I was listening to, you know, the comments made today regarding the banking um, retrenchments and mm. how it's happening. People think that, you know, the banks are making profits, therefore why should you be retrenching people? But that's not how it works. So these companies are, 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 are for-profit companies, and they're there, and you've got investors there. So if it was only about, you know, keeping jobs, it's part of it, but there's also investors there. Otherwise, then there should be non-profit companies, and they will not earn profits, and they should be just functioning just to, you know, survive. But it, it's much more complex than that. So in the first part, in terms of this particular situation, you know, it is fully disclosed in terms of where the numbers are and where the retrenchments are. So it's very irresponsible for the unions to come at this point now when it's actually happening, you know, and say, you know, what's happening because it is, we've known this about it since the process started. But- but not right. let, let's pause there for a second. I guess a lot of the frustration, not only on the part of the unions, but the society as a whole, is that on the one hand, you've got crisis levels of unemployment in an economy. Uh, you know, the kind of things that were last seen elsewhere in the world uh, uh, during the Great Depression and uh, maybe even worse than that, right? You've got that happening here in South Africa. You've had a process of the job summit this time last year where many commitments were made by representatives of all industries across the economy saying uh, we, we're going to, I guess, try all efforts to ensure that we don't retrench. 
Um, or in instances where we have to retrench, uh, as many in the finance sector have said, probably reallocate some of those workers or even shorten work time. But uh, layoffs being the last resort. And yet you've seen these coming in thick and fast. Uh, it certainly does make people question uh, whether or not much of what has been committed to at a national level uh, and uh, I guess an understanding of the sense of urgency we have on the jobs front, whether or not that is commonly shared. I mean, of course, at the end of the day, investors will want their own returns, but uh, surely they want the long-term security of those returns as well. Unfortunately, the position that we're in right now is quite different to where we were last year. And what has happened since then, when you know people are making those commitments in terms of being able to secure and grow jobs, is that mm. the economy is actually not growing anymore. So if you look at where we were last year, if you look at everything over this IMF, World Bank, SASSA, um, Reserve Bank, the projections of, of, of growth for 2019 were about you know, 1%. And now we're down to as low as 0.5. Mm. So mm. you make those commitments with a certain forecast in mind. You've got there, we've got our models, the economists saying it's going to happen. And then the very opposite happens. The currency is not working out in our favors. You know, corporates are, are not there. They don't have to, they don't have the capacity to expand. So the economy has really been a headwind more than anything. Mm. So it, 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 I might think that you might look like, you know, corporate stores, but it's really, really tough there in terms of, you know, trying to find ways to go because I don't think any company wants to cut jobs and retrench yeah, people. Yeah. Look, I mean, I guess. I, I guess it's you know something difficult to stomach even for uh, many of the uh, uh, workers and not only Matunjo, I mean even uh, you know people in the norm and even solidarity uh, in an environment of uh, a buoyant platinum group metal prices. I mean we saw rhodium, palladium, and uh, platinum really hitting the lights out from a price environment and and many people are suggesting that the initial number of around twelve thousand uh, or so job losses and that coming down to five thousand two hundred and seventy may have to do. Uh, with uh, a much better price environment than what we had last year? So I think what we learned from 2014-15, you know, there was a huge boom in resources, and then it just turned around completely. Mm. So, and what happened is that all our mining stocks, they got hammered, all of them, and earnings were down, everything. The, the resource sector was just, you know, it was, it was a very bad quality sector. And the learning, you know, the learning things that they took from that is that you have to have resources and, and reserves available for that. You need to make sure because the level of cyclicality is just, you know, it's unforeseeable. So what these mining companies are, they need to take advantage of the current upswing in terms of the commodity cycle and be able to build reserves to survive. Mm. You know, this is a short-term, it's cyclical, because short-term, you know, you, for five years from now, you'll forget about the business of this has happened, you know, potentially. So what they need to do is do what they need to do. All the companies, not just the mining companies, any company that's listed, any company that's not listed or private, is that build up a buffer to get you through the winter, you know. You know, mm. winter, you know, winter's already here, but I mean, you just need to be able to do that, you know. Yeah. It, it, that's what you, it has to be a little bit more prudent in this kind sure. of environment. And that's what needs to be understood is that, yes, we do want to maintain jobs and grow jobs. Yeah. But it's such a tough environment and commodities could change. You know, you could have a, something happen today and everything else has changed. So we don't know. It's so un, un, you know, unpredictable mm. where the mining companies need to focus on getting that balance sheet fine giving good cash flow, and what they've been doing is where they can do, you know, give back some returns to show those who haven't actually been receiving it the last two years. Many, many, many mining resource companies were actually not giving out dividends, just to show you the fact that it was that. Okay. Now, uh, Lorenzo, I guess what you're saying reminds me of uh, one mining 
uh, uh, you know, exec who came out and said, you know, the mining sector is a sector of very long winters and short and brief summers. And, uh, and I guess the cyclicality of those uh, prices that you're referring to speaks directly to that. You, you spoke about economic conditions being fundamentally different to what they were a year ago. But surprisingly, uh, the number of people that are going out uh, and to register companies in South Africa continues to increase year on year. We saw some of the numbers coming out of, CIP, uh, coming out of CIPC there, the, registering, uh, the company registration entity. Let's talk uh, through some of those numbers. So, you know, what I really like about the CIPC process of registering company is it's very, very easy. It's even easier than e-filing, and that can be a nightmare. So it's a quick process, it's nice, and it enables anyone to start a company, few documents submitted, and it's very seamless. So I think that's one of those hurdles that you need to get through to allow, you know, the job, job registrations to grow. But they able to streamline and make it easier for people who want to start up businesses, which is very great. And the number looks good, it is, um, but, you know, without, you know, more context in terms of where that number comes from, you can't really, really extrapolate into what it means for sentiment and growth. Because even if a big corporate needs to have a subsidiary, they have to register a new company, you know. So those kind of things, there's too many nuances there which make it hard to really see. But what ends up happening, though, is that there's, you know, you know any person can go and open a company, um, but in terms of being able to, you know, keep it registered, you know, there's certain compliance issues that people mm. fail to meet, and that's where, you know, I mean, so, you know, you might look at growth now, but you want to look at what happens a year from now. Yeah. Those numbers that are people that have opened up companies, companies that are registered, have they still been successfully still registered and still compliant a year from now? Yeah. And that's yeah. the key thing. And I guess that is indeed the key thing. But uh, I like the point you were making earlier on, Luanja, that, you know, uh, registration of around 395,320 companies and uh, just in 2018 and 2019 alone for me uh, indicates uh, the ease and the convenience of the process. And maybe I guess uh, the uh, public uh, announcement that we ought to make there is that if anybody comes to you and says, hey, come and pay X amount of money to just go and register a business, please see through some of those scams. Yes, definitely. And I actually have had someone, I didn't know it before, and they charged me way more than the cost to even register. So I think also what is a nice thing, if this comes through the numbers, is that being an entrepreneur is much easier and that people should seek out being an entrepreneur because, you know, there are some benefits and public and, and government support in terms of startups. Mm. So if this is any kind of signal that we see more SMEs come into the system and start developing and finding new, new ways to grow and earn businesses, it's a good thing. Because we cannot rely on the corporate SA for, for everything. Yeah. We really can't because they're even having a hard time. So if this is a sign of support to SMEs, this is definitely a good thing. And if they're growing, then that's the way for the economy. Awesome stuff. Nolwanje, we'll have to leave it there. It's a pleasure catching up with you this evening. And big thank you uh, to you for sharing your insights with us uh, this evening for our business wrap. That there was Nolwanje Mtombeni, investment analyst at Emergence Investment Managers, uh, talking to us uh, on our business wrap this evening.